The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Okay, okay, come on in, and everybody settle down. This, uh, you, sir, the family of four, I'm going to need you to sit right in the front row here. Okay. Dearest, dearest, sit over here. Yes, thank you. And these are my children. Oh, and look at those little scamps. Look at the little scamps. This is scamp A, and this is scamp B. (laughs) It's very, it sounds, I'm sorry, what is that, Nicaraguan? Uh, no, it's shrimp. Okay, thank you. Scamp E would have been the if you had the five kit. Anyway, no, that's my brother's child. Okay, now we're going to uh, we're going to let the presentation begin. I'd like to welcome everyone to the World's Fair, nineteen sixty-seven, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce everybody here on the on the right. I, we're going to have our animatronic pals come out here, okay. and we're going to they're going to give a little presentation about the magic. Of televised vision. I'm going to let them take it away. Well, hi there. My voice might sound a little tinny, but that's only because of the audacity filter James is going to put on it. I am going to, to, to explain to you the magic of televised vision in the future. Honey, I've heard about this. Scamp B, listen up. Now, in the future, everyone's flying cars are going to fly around and all be watching televised vision with one another. The flying cars are going to actually project the vision vision, vision into the other car car. This robot man is telling me I'm going to be in a car? That's astounding. You'll be able to to interact with other televised vision. Robot man from the future, tell me, can you eat? Well, see, that's the, the beauty of televised vision. There will be an entire channel dedicated to do to cooking network and fast fat guy 
Excuse me? That fat guy, God Fieri. God Fieri? Did you call him? Should I fear this guy? In, in the future, we will all wor- wor- we will, will worship God, God Fieri. Skip, skip A. <laughs> Throw out that crucifix. Skip B. Drop that yarmulke. Also in the future, a series of tunes will connect television-like devices to all the homes in the United States of America. And it's 50... Seven, 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 eight. <laughs> and what that will be called is the, 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 the internet. And what it will do is what everyone's perception of reality until you're not sure, sure what is true anymore in the world, 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 because you'll be stuck in an echo chamber of your own device. <laughs> All right. Let's call it. That was the magic of televised vision brought to you by the 19, I want to say, 67 World's Fair. Paul, I was enthralled by your character. I honestly wanted you to just keep going because it was really good. I had a, I had a whole thing. I actually had more. I had it's more. really it. good. I was thinking on calling back our animal handler from the last episode, <laughs> the last TV episode. But I like this one better. Animatronic dad from the future. It's a great, big, beautiful, beautiful tomorrow. tomorrow. Welcome to the Third Ben Podcast. Yeah. I'm your co-host, Paul Kavinsky. This is our uh, Jack White History program, the Third Ben Podcast, as James said. James, do you want to introduce yourself to the PP people? Yeah, I'm, I'm the co-host from the future, from the 56th state, James Kavinsky. <laughs> yeah. You know, we do a lot of different topics on this show here, and we're all going a little... I would say a little nutty, a little batty in quarantine, but, you know, the one thing that's keeping a lot of us sane right now is the magic of televised vision. It's true. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today on a segment that is, James, I think our longest running segment in the history of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yes, maybe. So anyway, yeah, I think it's our longest running segment where, James, you cherry pick out some classic television appearances or uh, uh, you know specials different types of televised entertainment in the third band world and we talk about them and chair you know just sort of wax a little third band tv because jack white and the white stripes you know when they were starting out really used tv heavily in propelling themselves to fame and so it is a quintessential part of of jack's world and so yeah we're gonna talk a little book a little a little bit about some more of them if you'd like to hear or other segments, you know, I don't know what episodes they are, but you've got Google. <laughs> yeah, use it. Why don't you? Anyway, Paul is correct. I, I choose some television things to, to talk about and uh, that, that Jack White has been a part of or the Jack White world has been a part of. And Paul, we're throwing them all out today. And we're just going to talk about Tiger King. That's just crazy. Oh, it's so good. All right. Uh, so, Paul, we have a part two to last episode last trash tongue television episode where we talked exclusively about late night television we're still talking about late night we got a whole lot more yeah there's a lot of late night appearances there we went over some good ones in prior episodes every appearance on jimmy fallon every appearance on colbert every appearance on letterman and yeah paul there's there's a whole lot more including some very important ones yeah, well, on the Colbert one, we covered a lot of my favorites. I really love the Dead Weather performance. Mm-hmm. I love the game he played, uh, Jingle More of the Way yes. with Jack. That was good, all that stuff. We went over the Catholicism stuff on the Colbert Report? Yes, briefly, yeah. I don't remember if we did that, yeah. We've so, talked about Anyway, that. yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, Paul, is there anything we have to smell or break down? Well. Do you want to look up a kinky fact? I think... I'm feeling a little kinky. 
Ah, oh, James, quarantine's made you kinky. We're going to head on down over to the kinky corner, I think. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's head on down. I'm a seeker, too. I can't help thinking somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than that. There's got to be an answer. You may not like what you find. Just getting the kinks out. Paul, you want to explain what the kinky corner is? Yeah, well, you know, we we love the idea of loving the kinks. So <laughs> we've made it a goal of ours to explore more about those kinky kinky folks in this segment here, the kinky corner. And James, I hear tell that you found a kinky old fact for us today. I sure did, Paul. I'm looking you said up. that one of uh, the Davies brothers has the coronavirus. No. Paul, I found this this little kinky fact here uh, <laughs> definitely earlier, <laughs> and not just now. Uh, this is nuts. This is going into 2004 territory, so newer kinks. <laughs> Ray, yeah. Ray Davies was yeah. shot in 2004. What? While visiting New Orleans with his wife, a mugger stole her bag. Ray Davies gave chase, and the mugger shot him in the leg. He chased him down? He chased him down. Wow, that's pretty cool. Sergeant Paul Accardo of the New Orleans Police Department said a 25-year-old man named Jerome Barra had been arrested and would be charged with armed robbery and aggravated battery. A second man was sought. Ray Davies was treated at a local hospital and released. Shot in the leg. Yes. Yeah. His uh, his wife was not was not injured, but he was he was shot right there in the leg. Uh, the police wow, chief. And, and was there there was money in the purse? Was there uh, maybe like eighty dollars? Shot in the leg over a matter of eighty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's the eighty dollars. Look, if your horse threw his shoe, bring him back, and I'll reshoe him. I don't know that for sure. But uh-huh. I do know that the police chief, Eddie Compass, said, I'm sorry for what happened to Mr. Davies, but he showed poor judgment in running after the individuals. Whoa, gave him a dressing down after he was shot in the leg. Yeah, yeah. And then this article then goes in. This is via The Guardian. A lot of this goes into how Ray Davies formed the kinks in the 60s. So that's fun. But you know what may have been in that purse was the recently acquired CBE that he had uh, been awarded uh, the week prior to that. But yeah, you know. Just scrolling through some kinky titles here to see if there's anything that sounds like I was shot. I assume that when he was shot, the bullet pierced both his skin and bones, which leads us to the track Skin and Bone from the album Muswell Hillbillies. And I think we should probably play a little bit of that song in honor of of the shot Davies and whatever he was trying to protect or possibly keep from the world that was in that kinky bag that that man stole <laughs> and his accomplice who I guess remains unnamed unnamed but
So uh, that's fun and interesting. And uh, there's a kinky fact for you. I hope it gets you through. <laughs> I hope it gets you through this quarantine feeling a little bit kinkier than you did before. Oh man, that was a good one. Thanks. That was a good one, James. He was shot. He was. He was. Shot. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that, it doesn't sound so kinky. But oh, well, maybe it does. I don't know. It's whatever you. Yeah, maybe. I mean, shot and survived really is the. The best case and he scenario. was he was let go the the, the same day. So I mean, he was shot in the thigh. Apparently, he handed over all the money before giving chase. So let, well, that's a strategy, I guess. The the criminal would think he or she was in the clear, oh, and Paul, then Paul. I wonder if when he got shot, he shouted, "Oh, you really got me!" <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, this is only funny because he survived. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and by all accounts the wound sounds superficial right. i hope it didn't do any permanent damage to his poor kinky body well all right well that that was the kinky corner <laughs> james what do you say we launch right into this discussion of televised vision as it pertains to the third band records world let's do it oh man paul we got we got we got talk show updates let's move into the talk show update corner all right let's check them out all right so since doing that last talk show episode and talking about jack white appearances on stephen colbert and on jimmy fallon we've had supplemental appearances since then because that episode came out in 2018 i want to say during the boarding house reach Era. It's been a while. Jack White has appeared since then on uh, Stephen Colbert in 2019. The Tours played two nights on Stephen Colbert's Late Show. Tours performed Help Me Stranger on June 20th. And on uh, June 21st, the day the record came out, uh, the day Help a Stranger came out, they performed Bored and Raised on the 21st. Stephen Colbert announced the, you know, introduced the band. He still calls them the Rock on Tour. Yeah. <laughs> it weirds me out every time. Yeah, um, yeah. We uh, we covered this a little bit in our Help a Stranger yes, uh, that's right. analysis and review episode a bit. Yeah, yeah. That, those are good performances. I like those a lot. Yeah, and you got. I think we definitely talked about Stephen Colbert doing the uh, the intro with the "If you call me, I'll come running." So cool performance there. Yeah, two nights. Yeah, and and you know if I feel like if they had permeated the pop culture like they did back in two thousand six. It, it would have been you would have got a bigger audience reaction out of Colbert doing the yeah the stand-in for the Jack Lawrence in the video, but uh, I think it kind of flew over a lot of people's heads, you know, because there's there seems to be a lot like a silence when that happens, and so I think people were just sort of confused. <laughs> Either that, I mean, I got it. I thought it was hilarious, but that's because I know that video very well. <laughs> Either that, or people just assumed it was Jack Lawrence. And then also in 2019, same tour, the Rack and Tours visit. Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. Again, uh, Jack White and Brandon Benson sit down with Jimmy before doing a performance. They talk about how the record was made, all that stuff. It's cool to hear Brandon on the Tonight Show talking with Jimmy Fallon. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny interview. He's really funny in it. Jack's funny in it. But again, it, some of the jokes seem to be flying over the audience's heads. They, there's a lot of funny things being said, but I think people were taking a lot of it at face value and not realizing they were goofs. You know, that was the one thing that I had noticed. Yeah, they performed Shine the Light. Shine the Light. Which is great. I'm, 
I'm glad that they played that one because I, I don't know. I think that's a stronger sing, uh, single contender than Lonely Only Child. Oh, Only, Child, Only yeah. Child a single? See, I think Shine a Light is a stronger single contender than Only Child. I, I guess I don't mind either of them. They're just sort of both fine. But I'm happy to hear Shine a Light get get some more love. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's the the talk show update, Paul. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Excellent reporting, James. Thanks. Now, after that excellent reporting, I'm going to need you to sit down and stop destroying America by reporting those things. I'm sorry. Paul, what would you say to millions of people who are scared of Jack White right now? I would say you're a really bad reporter. Dystopia. Fun yeah. and dystopia. Mm-hmm. You didn't realize there would be this much podcasting in, in dystopia, <laughs> did you? Let's move on. Let's go to Ellen DeGeneres. Paul, it's an early morning show. It's not a late night talk show. All right. We have... I love this one. We just watched all the Finding Dory films and the Finding Nemos and the Fishies. Ellen's a very entertaining person. I've never watched much of her shows, but I watched her stand up. It's very funny. Her stand-up's great. She's a likable, very likable individual. She's getting in there. She's hanging out. She's nailing Portia de Rossi. She's hanging out with George Bush. She's having a great life. She's living uh, La Vida Loca, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what? Jack White wanted to live a little bit of that, that life as well, because he sat down with Ellen to promote some songs in 2014 for his Lazaretto album. He would uh, perform Alone in My Home and Would You Fight for My Love. He then would sit down with Ellen after performing, noticeably out of breath. This is He is in full, like, Lazaretto getup. He's got the uh, the blue suit, the blue, like, three-piece suit. He's got the Elvis cut with the kind of mutton chops, clean cut mutton chops. He's wearing the Would You Fight for My Love outfit, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, I don't remember the performance at all, but I love that they did that song on that show. It's, I recall he his his foot was broke or he broke his toe or something. Yes, he broke his he sprained his ankle on the tour, and they showed a picture sprained of his sprained his ankle. ankle when they sat down, and it is gruesome. Jack <laughs> Jack even looks back. He's like, "Oh, that's grotesque." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and also, I don't know how you're standing and walking normally. I know you hurt your ankle. I saw pictures of. Oh what, yeah, I did. Yeah. What did you do to your ankle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, that's gr- gr- grotesque, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just on stage, I just, I just took a little spill, you know, I just went bent sideways. And, uh, we went, luckily we were in Oakland at the time, in uh, San Francisco, and we went and saw the Oakland A's physical therapist. So I'd, he was working on my ankle for, just to be nice, and Coco Chris was getting worked on right next to me. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, he said, yeah, if this was uh, us, you'd be on a 21-day disabled list. We'd take you off the tour. We should cancel the tour right now. <laughs> So but we, you said no. I, it's just too much trouble. I mean, like, I hate canceling anything. It's so disappointing for everybody, you know. Yeah. So that's amazing that you're not canceling the tour with a foot like that. I, I thought it was funny. Uh, Ellen asks, you have two children, right? And Jack goes, just the ones I know about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very he, good. He goes into talking about buying mechanical toys exclusively for his kids. No video games, only mechanical toys. He says that if they want a video game, that he won't get it for them, but he'll get them a pinball machine if they want to play play with Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of video games, uh, this is a non sequitur. (laughs) Brendan Benson on his Boy in the Bubble series, someone mentions that they're playing Animal Crossing in the chat, and Brendan goes, oh, man, you're playing Animal Crossing? I don't know what that is, but you got right. Rock on. (laughs) It's the best. I love 
Hi, Brendan Benson, so much. <laughs> so good. He's He starts every video taking a giant rip yeah. off of a big, fat, juicy, it's, you know, whatever, joint, blunt. I think he's vaping. I think so. He's doing it all. He's he's living his best life. He's living the Vida Loca in Florida. Um is that where he is? Did he move down to Florida? Yeah, he's in Fort Lauderdale, I think, because he's his wife's parents are there, and so he was there, help like moving. St- I think he was either helping them move or moving down there to be closer to them. Either way, he's in Florida right now. Um, Do you think Brendan Benson would go to the Big Cat Rescue? Release? Oh my God! <laughs> yes. Oh, oh man. It's topical. I love that people like you know if you if somebody's listening to this just years later they're going to be like oh I know the week this was recorded. <laughs> yeah, they're mentioning Tiger King and quarantine. All right, twenty twenty. Yeah, here we go. Yep. Yeah. Well, wasn't that a dark time? Yeah. In the dark ages, people didn't know they were the dark ages. It just seemed. Darker. Dark. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, the Dark Ages thing, that's all retrospect, baby. So we could be in them. We don't know it. We could, we, this could be in, this could be a Dark Ages too, right now. Uh, the sequel, the squeakquel. The squeakquel. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Ed, Ed, Ellen gave everyone in attendance a copy of Lazaretto, which I thought was hilarious because I'm assuming half of the audience was there to see Jack White and the other half was normal Ellen DeGeneres fans who now have a, yeah. co- a vinyl copy of Lazaretto. <laughs> what are they doing with it? Lord only knows. I assume they sold it, but... It's a good album to have. I wish he would do her show more because he, as I recall, that's one of my favorite. He got candid with her more, like, sort of in a Conan-esque kind of way. Yeah, I feel like uh, he and he and her got along pretty well. It's a great clip. If if uh, you haven't seen it out there, you should check it out. It's floating around YouTube. I'm Agreed. sure James will have played a bit of it. In, yes, on I, this. I would have. So, so next up, we got Late Night with Seth Meyers, which we don't have any Jack White appearances. Yeah, I was going to say Seth I don't re- recall that at all. However, yeah. we have Margot Price playing on Seth Meyers. Uh, ah. So there's that. And then also we have Jack Black going on Seth Meyers and talking about uh, working with Jack White uh, doing the Don't Blow It Cage single. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember um, that's where he tells the story of where the Don't Blow It Cage yes. comes from. Right. Uh, yes. And this is during his Jumanji 2 uh, press junket. So it's. This is probably the only time you'll hear Jumanji and Jack White mentioned in the same like <laughs> paragraph, <laughs> which I think I mean, is, it is the an, best. I mean, the original was an analog game, so that's close. <laughs> yeah, it's the only game he would buy for his children is Jumanji. You children, <laughs> hey. stop playing the video games. You gotta stop playing Jumanji. <laughs> Go play with Robin Williams there in the jungle. He'll show you what's what. The fellow was a genie. I hear those monkeys have it easy. Oh, those giant spiders in my house. (laughs) These taxidermy animals are all real now. (laughs) Little girl in this used to make out with (laughs) Spider-Man. You're lucky you'll make out with Spider-Man one day. Anyway, uh, next up we got Jimmy Kimmel. (laughs) Well, I have a a contribution, James, if I may, to the Margot Price side of things. Contribute. Because I think it's safe to say that you found no other Samantha B connections. 
but Margot Price did show up on the Samantha B show recently to promote her new album and it is a great performance they they talk for a little bit in fact Samantha B gives a great endorsement to Margot Price as a as a feminist country artist and um you know, even though that single that she played, you know, it's not my favorite. It grew on me a lot, and, and the performance is actually, I enjoy the performance more than the the actual track, but um, it's uh, it's cool. It's a cool performance. You should check All that right. out. So, Samantha B, that's my contribution to this. That's the nice. one connection. All right, let's play a little of that. At this point, it may seem easier for a woman country artist to get a cooking show than it is to get equal play on country radio. Thankfully, women artists are fighting back against unfair treatment in the country music industry, and we are so lucky to have one of them here tonight performing her brand new song, Stone Me, for the very first time anywhere. Please welcome Margot Price. Well, thank you, Paul, for your contribution. Uh, next up, we got Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, the Rack and Tours go on Jimmy Kimmel. They play two songs on their their press junket, their press tour on July twenty fifth. They play "Don't Bother Me" and "Some Days." That is for Jimmy's concert series that they have there. So it's like an outdoor thing, right? Yes. They don't get to sit and talk with with him, so that kind of sucks. But no, uh, he was on that outdoor Jimmy Kimmel thing once before, wasn't he? Or was that a different? I feel like the dead weather was on that, but I could mm. be mistaken. Yeah, they played. Uh, they played "Forever My Queen." Oh, they did on that outdoor concert series uh, for Jimmy Kimmel. The dead weather did. Yeah, I've got it right here. It's when Whorehound is coming out, and guess who introduces it alongside Jimmy Kimmel holding a vinyl copy of Whorehound? James, can you guess? Uh, Samantha B. It's Ryan from The Office. <laughs> Whorehound is their latest album. You can see the full performance at JimmyKimmelLive.net. Click the Pontiac Garage once again. The dead weather. Good night. Great. <laughs> Great. BJ Novak himself. I'm really happy to hear this. <laughs> so, John Krasinski anyway. will introduce them later. <laughs> this is 2009, so this is right around. This is right around when Ryan came back to join the Michael Scott Paper Company, but he doesn't have the frosted tips. 
and he's out yeah, there promoting anyway, the dead weather. <laughs> yeah. This is a great like it screen might... grab I have here of Kimmel and Ryan and a bunch of deliriously happy people that have no idea who the dead weather are behind them. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the person I would have much rather. There was two people I would much rather have had of the office cast. One, Kevin Meredith. Malone. I'm sorry. Kevin Malone is my Meredith. number one. <laughs> <laughs> Creed is my number three. Uh, that's good. That's good stuff. Weather. I mean, it's it. It sounds like something he would say. Very good. Very yeah. good. Anyway, Jack Black also appears on Jimmy Kimmel talking about working with Jack White. Actually, gets into it a little bit more with Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy mentions that he loves Jack. They briefly discuss the mystery of Jack White's house. What is it like at his uh, studio? Is it, he lives at the his studio's in his house, right, or something? Yes, or near at his, his house. house. If yeah. anyone gets a chance to go to Jack White's house, jump on that opportunity. <laughs> it was an experience. But not right now. Wait till daytime. You yeah. know what it is? It's like yeah, don't don't hop the fence. You got to get the invite. But the thing about his place, it's like going to Graceland. It's like every room has, like, been meticulously curated. Is that right? With magic and humor and weirdness. Uh, He also says he was asked not to to use his cell phone and uh, not to take pictures or video while he was inside, and he was wondering why that was. And he says he, he figured it out. He finally figured it out. He's creating a Graceland when he dies. Then you will be allowed to go in and tour the museum. That's when he's going to cash in. You know? (laughs) So that people will finally be able to open the doors and go in and go like, oh, this is how he lived. He mentioned that something we did know about, he was like, Jimmy asked him if there's any notable things in the house that he can talk about. And he said, well, he's got these two majestic lions taxidermy lions. And uh, yeah, he said he has the throne in there. Huge, powerful beasts. And in between them, there's this gorgeous, ornate, like, throne. And he said, you can sit there. That's where I go to read Between the Lions. <laughs> and that is so... It's so corny. It's so cheesy. But it's also so genius. And, uh, <laughs> and everywhere you look, there's another situation like that. <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. Jack Black says it in his jokey voice but it is the same joke voice that jack white would have delivered it in now i think we saw a photo of ben jenkins from Warstick, yes making that joke i want to say on instagram seated in that throne thing yes and i'm sure jack white says the same dad joke yeah. to every person who enters his, his house it's his party piece yeah i love it that's jimmy kimmel we're gonna move on to the late late show paul yes First, we're going to go with uh, the the original Late Late Show, which is the Irish Late Late Show that's been the longest-running Late Late Show in existence. It is exclusively an Irish one. Pokey Lafarge, in 2014, played Central Time on uh, the Ooh. Irish version of late, the Late Late Show. Yeah. 
disagree with that statement. I see people. Anyway, we'll we'll move on to uh, the late late show that we would know in the United States. First one is the arguably the most important White Stripes performance. Uh, July 17th, 2001, the White Stripes make their national television debut performance on The Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn. With Craig Kilborn, the original host of The Daily Show, Craig Kilborn, on his second, I guess, endeavor into late night. Yeah. And we all thought it was a waste of time, but lo and behold, it wasn't. (laughs) Well... The reviews would agree with you that it's a waste of time, except that they don't think the performance is. Uh, it's their national TV, TV debut. They're promoting white blood cells in 2001. They would perform Screwdriver with a bit of Southern Can is Mine in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's a good yeah. performance. I know that one it's well. I love it. Fa- it's fantastic. The White Stripes will perform right after these important messages. The quote that Craig Kilborn says before introducing them is Our next guests are a brother and sister duo whose bluesy rock and roll has made them the buzz of the alternative music world. Their new album is White Blood Cells. Here to perform the song Screwdriver, please welcome the White Stripes. One of the other guests that night is another late night host, Graham Norton. Was another guest. Ooh. Uh, it aired at 1 a.m. Uh, Detroit flag hung above the band as they, uh, they kind of poured out their souls to the night owls watching i have some reviews from the time from the era so from 2001 glorious noise reviewed the episode they said and if it's possible to convey all of that grit and soul while performing on the decidedly soulless late late show then the white stripes hit a home run (laughs) the worst thing about the band's late late show appearance was having to endure the hijinks of kilborn a puffy skinned worm of a man who is smarmy in ways that we have not seen people be as smarmy before oh my god and into this bad trip of an la talk show nightmare came the white stripes bringing detroit rock west under the protecting gaze of their hometown flag that is really really funny that's really good i love that he's kind of like the pete best of late night hosts like when he left the daily show i was really bummed about it i was like who's this john stewart fellow he certainly won't leave a mark on society (laughs) craig Kilborn forever (laughs) stewart never i was i was really angry about it when craig Kilborn left the daily show because i used to watch that uh, when it was first airing because it was on after school anyway pete best of late night go on (laughs) Uh, via the orlando times again this is of the era 2001 for nearly half a minute they vamped on a single chord spiked with sharp stops the thudding simplicity and reckless disregard for valuable airtime resonated with power so they made a mark they made a real real mark they, a lot of places were calling um it, were saying what the glorious noise was saying which is like this show sucks but the white stripes <laughs> whoever's doing the booking for the bands is like on top of it uh, and they're all playing in like this tiny cramped yeah. space Come in now. Go to the party, Lord. 
Uh, on the Late Late Show there is is featured on several B-side bootlegs that you can find. And uh, honestly, watching this was a treat. I I sometimes forget about the magic of the White Stripes, like doing this show and, and having, you know, in the era of Jack White that we're in right now, you know, where he's kind of aging slightly and, you know, we're knee-deep in tours and his solo stuff. I forget that the White Stripes, I forget what they were and, uh, you know, the this was them in their prime and it was so enjoyable to watch this performance last night it was raw raucous they were pouring a grimy energy into this extremely plastic environment with this smarmy worm as the glorious noise put it (laughs) Uh, and they look so young jack's still wearing that auto tag necklace and uh yeah yeah the set is is like really simple which is like where they kind of do best is in simple environments Meg is in a trance, and, and at the end of Screwdriver, it's, oh my god, like, they're playing like they thought they would never play again. That ending is, is so good. That performance is so good. of that band and i yeah i know that you referenced that being on a lot of bootleg collections that is maybe my favorite live performance of theirs um i i had seen it incorrectly attributed to conan okay a few times i i really love that one and i love that we get a little southern can for i mean he did it's such a weird 
he did it for the right time slot for the one a.m. or right. it's like one. Yeah. It's almost two a.m. and people are right. <laughs> not watching as in, like intently. The FCC does not care as much. <laughs> right here's this here's this old blues song about a guy who's beating his wife, but it's actually a veiled criticism of the. Uh, Jim Crow era South using marital violence as a mask for how the white man keeps him down. Anyway, enjoy this on Craig Kilborn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so moving on from that fantastic performance, we have Craig Ferguson as the next host of, of the Late Late Show. We don't have a Jack White performance on there, but we do have Ray LaMontagne performing Meg White his song Meg White on the Late Late Show. This is the only time we well this is the first time i could think we of that we can get into this song so i did a little research into the song meg white because of this performance on craig ferguson yeah please because um, I, I don't know a lot about this one and i we've we've talked about it once or twice but never a great detail basically he just wrote it as a tribute to her a rolling stone ray says i can only hope that she doesn't think it's ridiculous he was asked about it on npr's wxpn during an interview promoting that album that it's on yes yeah just a fan you know all, all that is yeah, Meg yeah, she's great and I think she gets uh, she gets knocked about a bit well if you've ever if people have ever seen the White Stripes they they uh, realize that there's no reason to knock Meg Meg is like integral I mean she rocks they no doubt about it well the word's out <laughs> I, did, I didn't write it to meet her I just wrote it for her <laughs> right right and then via a Reddit <laughs> question and answer somebody asked if she had ever responded to the song and he says that she did it was sweet she really liked the song and took it the way it was meant to be which is an homage to her and jack so you've never heard the song meg white by ray lamontagne Uh, i recommend it it's pretty good it's i wonder what she must have thought about that because she's such a an every woman like it always she always strikes me as just like a like a normal person who just so happens to have this massive spotlight on her and she doesn't necessarily like it but it's there and so she lives with it and she's sort of making the kind of 
sound that makes people want to write tribute songs about her. And I wonder what that must have been like. I mean, I wonder if that would have, like, freaked her out or, like... I mean, I, I guess it's, you know, it just would have... If, if it were me, and it's hard to put yourself in that position, but I would have taken it as a compliment. But I wonder... I mean, it must have been a surreal experience for her, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, Paul Celebrities. They're just like us. <laughs> well, you know, but there's there's degrees, though. There's, like, those celebrities that, that really pushed themselves and their personalities to get there, you know. Yeah. Despite what that <laughs> down Florida is trying to do to them. And then there's, like, celebrities who are just... I don't know, or are given that title. You know, they don't they don't ask for it. They're just given it. Maybe I'm oversimplifying. I'm just babbling at this point. I don't know. I put this section here so that we could talk about this song and wax poetic about it. So there we go. That's my poetry. There you go. It's not good, but there it is. Uh, put it on a <laughs> put it in some upholstery. Hide it forever. Anyway, Paul, that's that'll do it for this this episode of late night recapping of Jack White on television. <laughs> That, yeah, that's a well, long way of saying that. There's yeah, more. and awkward. You forgot awkward. Yeah, no, it's real awkward. And <laughs> I, we didn't. We still haven't gotten into Conan yet. I kind of want to dedicate a whole episode to that because it's an episode's worth of material. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, other than that, you know, that, that's what I found, Paul. That's, that's what good I, stuff, James. Well, what did my my speech? That's what I <laughs> yeah. found, Paul. Yeah, you gotten really folksy over there, James. <laughs> Well, that was wonderful, James. Now, we have a very special third person this week we're about to kick it to. She has worked on the David Letterman show in the past, so she has real-life field experience in the world of late-night television, and we're going to kick it over there right now. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's hear about this. I'm excited. We would like to welcome onto the show today, Katie Kubert. Katie, hi. Hi. Howdy. You're here. We finally we finally dragged you onto this thing. Yes, it was it was a dragging yeah. process. I fought every every step of the way. Just a drag in every sense of the word. <laughs> uh, we're sorry, um, but here you are, and thanks for coming on. We're excited to have you on here because we're we're talking about something that uh, seems to be up your alley. We're we're doing a show about late night. TV and Jack White on late night TV, and uh, I hear you have some kind of connection to that. Yes, so uh, I was a page at the Late Show with David Letterman. Ooh. Yeah, I know, so fancy. The pre-beard show, we call it. <laughs> yes, yes. I started in 2006, so like in any prep that I've had for like talking to you guys today, it's been a real weird dive into like what was Katie doing in 2006 and 2007? Oh, no. She was drinking a lot. Um, but it's it's also funny because, um, you know, I, it was before, like, uh, most people had iPhones, and it was before, like, like, most of the photos that I was looking up were all from, like, digital cameras. So I was like, like, there was this speech I used to make, and I was trying to find it, but I was like, oh, maybe someone has it recorded. And I'm like, no, of course no one has it recorded. No one really had an iPhone. That was stupid. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, the uh, the photos I saw were, they have that that particular glow you only get from a digital camera <laughs> toward the yeah. end of the 2000s. A fun 100 yes. kilobyte 
photo that's 400 pixels by 400 pixels. Yeah. Yeah, it makes everyone look yeah. really great. Yeah, there's just a flash. Not sweaty at all. There's just a flash in everyone's face all the time. It's like, you know, when we look at photos of the Civil War, it seems like everyone is, like, wandering through this haze of sepia <laughs> and in the late 2000s it's just going to appear as though there were flash bulbs firing off in people's faces 24 7 yeah i mean yes. i've had a wicked case of sepia for a while paul but it's starting to clear up <laughs> i've been i've been meaning to ask you about that yeah James. no it's it's a novel mm-hmm. sepia <laughs> <laughs> uh fl- fun and plague times yes so so Jack's been on Letterman a few times, and in fact, just in, inside, and outside of the window of you working on the show, as it turns out. Oh, cool. So he was he was on there, I think, a total of three times, James. I could be wrong about that, but he was on there in 2002 with the White Stripes, or one, somewhere in that window, 2004 with Loretta Lynn, and then again in 2011 with Wanda Jackson. So just in and out of that window... But I, I guess what we'll do here is we'll, we'll sort of start with like what what is a what does a page do on a late night show? What is it like working in that environment, Katie? <laughs> um, well, let me tell you all about it. So uh, it felt a lot like camp, um, oh. but this is coming from someone who never went to camp. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it was very like, you know, a very like we we screwed around a whole bunch and it was a lot of like kids like right out of college, a lot of people trying to break into comedy or television. And uh, so the pages were a group of like these like early 20s kids and we were all in charge of basically getting uh, getting audience members for the show. Uh, getting them excited to see Dave, getting them seated in the audience, and just making sure that everything runs smoothly on the audience side. Now, how excited did you have to get them to see Dave? <laughs> well, there was there was a process. So it started out with uh, you, so you have the pages, which are the, like the lowest of the low, like we were even below interns, like, you know, because we, we were out of college, so you couldn't, you had to pay us very, right. very little, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, you weren't, you know, most people were, like I said, were trying to get jobs in television, but most of us didn't get hired in television despite our trying. And so what we would do though, is, uh, You'd have these uh, audience recruiters. Some of us did that later as we were like, as Ed, we'd been paging for a while. We would also recruit audience members, which means um, two things. One, we would open the the Ed Sullivan Theater on the weekends and during the, like the first part of the day. And people would come in and fill out an application. That application would just kind of like have your name and, you know, what do you like about Dave and stuff like that. And then you'd have a little interview. And the application was meant because we didn't want the same people coming over ah, and over and over again. Yeah, so I think you were only allowed to see the show like three times or something like well, that. So they would run your name through the database. Did you ever see a particularly weird response to why do you like Dave? Or what do you like about oh, Dave? Oh, sure. Sure, there were lots of weird stuff. Like, I can't I can't remember anything specific. But, were you ever like, um, was one ever like, like his feet or something like that? Like it was <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will definitely tell you guys, because we, we had a lot of policies for, and we ran into a lot of weird people. Because one of the other reasons that we had applications so we could run your name through our system was if you had been flagged as like, 
a weirdo or <laughs> someone who was like stalking Dave or, you know, like, someone, like, you know, we had files on all of that. Um, oh, was there a grading system for how weird? <laughs> oh, oh, there was a grading system for lots of things. So the most, uh, the most scandalous thing, and it's funny cause, um, I don't know if you guys are, how familiar you are with 30 rock, but there was one season where Kenneth, the page left and went to work at Letterman and they made the joke that they're going to sort the audience into pretty people and ugly people. And, um, that's, that's oh my true. God. So, wow. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, when, when we would recruit you, you know, so you, you could, you could fill out the application process in the, um, at the theater in person or which I also did this, we would go out on the street and uh, there'd be like maybe three of us and we'd stand in Times Square and we'd have little clipboards and we'd be like those people that are, are like the comedians that are like, hey, come and see our show, except we'd be like, hey, do you want to come and see Letterman? And so we'd do the little interview out on the street with you and we'd fill out all the forms. We had questions that you had, like trivia questions you had to answer in order to win the tickets. Huh. The trick being is, like I said before, Dave's audience, they wanted attractive people. Uh, they wanted people who were, like, easy to laugh, and they wanted more men than women. Yeah. yeah. So if, like, you were out on the street and you were recruiting audience members and you got this group of, like, attractive women who were all, like, super jazzed, you would get in trouble because you gave the tickets to, like, a huge group of women. Sometimes when you were standing out on the street and you were talking to people and they turned out to be, like, weirdos or they turned out to be you know, not laughing at the dumb jokes that you make or whatever, you would give them a harder trivia question. <laughs> so I, it's funny. I don't remember the easy trivia questions, but I remember the trivia question that was the one that if I didn't want to give you tickets, the trivia question was, what is the name of the bass player in wow. the band? <laughs> You really yeah. weed them out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. Um, and then you had a big stamp, the one one that said weirdo, one that said uggo, and then you put it right on their forehead. <laughs> well, funny you mention oh that. Oh my god, um, no. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't have a stamp, but um, so let's say you know you got you got your ticket somehow. You either like got them online or you got them being in the it, it recruited on the street or whatever. There were several stages, so uh, when we were doing the show um you'd have to wait in line and then you come in and you go up to this podium where i was one of the pages that worked at the podium so i would check your id and made sure you were on our list and i would talk to you a little bit and if you seemed like you might be nuts or you seemed like you weren't smiling or you weren't in a good mood i would mark your ticket with a certain thing wow and that meant that you were going to sit in the balcony <laughs> Well, you got to fill the balconies, too, uh, I guess. So it makes sense. Yes. Uh, on the flip side, if I talked to you and you seemed really fun and you were excited to be there and you were easy to smile, um, you know, then I would also mark your ticket in another way. So you would get in the, fir- in wow. the front rows. I mean, it now, makes sense because well, you want the well, audience to be as, you know, receptive to the show as possible. So, I mean, yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense for TV. Uh, hearing it like this is wild to me but it does you know it 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 makes sense that they would do this yeah especially like you know dave um you know uh, any comedians do 
a better show when the audience is receptive and excited and laughing. So if Dave, one of the big reasons we all did this that we were told is that um, if Dave saw people smiling, he sees like he thought he thought his comedy was like more funny to men. So I guess that's why we were told to put more men Hmm. in the front. But uh, if he was excited about that or whatever, you could you could tell that it was going to be a better show. Uh, but there were definitely times where he would, Dave would be pissed that the audience wasn't laughing or wasn't very good. <laughs> and so he would get real pissy between uh, uh, commercial breaks. Oh so uh, you got to see that. You too. know, it's funny that <laughs> but, all of this is ringing a little true to the Jack White experience because he is also hyper focused on the crowd and has also been known to be not angry let's say but, um, maybe perhaps uh, prickly uh, toward crowds that are not enjoying the show <laughs> to his liking and the thinking is at least what we've heard in interviews is that you know much like a stand-up comedian or like Dave in, in this case with a with an audience you can gauge how good you're doing based on the audience reaction and so if the audience isn't reacting because either they don't they they don't like it or because they're distracted by their phones or because they're too cool to applaud or you know like hipstery kind of crowds like yeah. it can it can skew the performance in a way and then either make you think you're not doing a good job or whatever so i you know there was a there was a famous in- instance oh just a couple blocks away from the Ed Sullivan Theater at Radio City Music Hall where where Jack like didn't do an encore because he was i think there there was a lot of complicated reasons but one of them was like the crowd was a little like too quiet too cool yeah. to yeah too quiet too cool to applaud kind of thing oh yeah and so a, a lot of this does ring true for that and I, I i wonder how much crossover um there is between those those two professions in that way uh you know a musician and a and a comedian like dave i have a question about when when musical guests are assigned to these shows sometimes I feel like there must be some kind of advanced warning because sometimes you see fans in the crowd. Did you ever experience any kind of like, oh, okay, we have a, a particular guest, maybe not even a musical guest, but a particular guest coming on. We're going to pump the crowd full of fans of that guest through some means or not really. It's just all random. Not that I know of. Annou- announcements were a little, I guess, a little stranger back then. It wasn't like people weren't as plugged in, like, you know, like I said, there weren't iPhones or anything that were as prevalent as they are today. So I don't think so. But if I I know that if we had gotten someone who was like, you know, a super fan uh, of Dave's or the musical guest or or whomever, uh, I know that that would have been someone that we would have wanted to put in the balcony because we didn't Uh, know how they would react. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Huh. Yeah. In fact, one quick little aside uh, of someone in the in the balcony. So we actually had someone that was up there. They had gotten tickets. And uh, during the show, like the pages would either you'd have pages in the back of the theater and then pages upstairs. And there was someone uh, during one taping who like went crazy and was screaming. And I don't remember why they were screaming, but they like ran downstairs and um, during the taping, and they actually bit oh one of uh, one of the pages. Yeah, so like it was a whole thing. And um, the security guards who who worked Letterman are 
some of the most amazing, wonderful people I have ever met. They were all like ex-cops and a lot of them were like undercover cops in the 70s. So they would always have these like cool stories of when they had to like dress up or go undercover. And they were just like the nicest people um, on the planet. And so (laughs) to see them actually like have to be badasses and like get this like crazy person out of the audience was stunning but also yeah. really scary <laughs> yeah. um yeah yeah because we didn't have like did he shout six semper tyrannus <laughs> no i don't remember i want i want to <laughs> say I, yeah i can't i can't remember what they were upset about but like we didn't have like metal detectors or or pat anybody down or anything that that i remember um well we know dave know, was patting really people shows. down but that, that wasn't on the bus <laughs> Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> um, oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I know some of the other late shows, like, because, you know, we're a lot, you know, late show, late night is very, um, it's a small industry, so a lot of people wind up getting to know each other. I know a lot of the other shows had, like, metal detectors and stuff, but I can't remember Letterman having any, wow. so... Yeah, it sounds like a, a bit of a different um, style than the way they do it now. Because I know, they're, like you said, their proliferation of the internet and smartphones and stuff. I know with Jack White, they, they make an announcement like two days ahead of time saying, like, if you want to get in line for the tickets now, you can go do that. Because I think they're trying to crowd the show. At least that's the way it seems now. Because I, I I've seen, not necessarily for uh, like the Late Show or something, but for, well, even, yes, Colbert had a a two-day lead time where they were like hey we're gonna he's gonna be on the show uh so if you want to go get tickets go wait in Mm -hmm. line kind of deal yeah yeah i can't i can't remember them doing anything like that especially because um we wanted the audience members to be excited for Mm -hmm. dave not the musical guest specifically because then they were going to be only excited for the musical guest and not for dave so um yeah i don't i want to say if you came in and you were like only talking about seeing whatever the guest was um i'm pretty sure that would have either like depending on who you were um and and your demeanor and everything that, that would have definitely changed your your ability to either get a ticket right. in the first place or where you were sitting in the, in the theater yeah i know um me and, me and paul went to see the daily show in 2007 uh it was mm-hmm. a surprise as to who was going to be there i don't think they told us at all and uh we only learned that day what who they were and i honestly can't for the life of me remember i think, I think it was daryl hammond something like that i want to say sure <laughs> from snl or da- daryl hannah well, you am know i the- saying that last name wrong i don't know the guy that did the bill clinton voice yeah yeah that's yeah. right but you know the funny thing about about like daily show and about the other late night shows as far as i know they didn't do the same sort of audience sorting mm. that letterman huh. did uh i know i know i know daily show did not um, yeah, and one because you just you could just stand in line for the Daily Show. Like that's how yeah. I got in there a couple times, just standing there. Yep. Uh, and, and actually, we we at one point they had the late night pages work an Ellen show. She was taping uh, in New York and at the Ed Sullivan Theater, so they all had us work an Ellen show, and it was completely different from how we usually worked. So we all felt kind of uptight and everything because we're used to like this very rigid schedule of like you know, audience ticketing and load in and all that. And yeah. it was not like that with Ellen at all. Well, <laughs> so I guess d- it was just kind of funny. It's like old school though. Like he's, he was around the block for a while. while so I guess like, uh, he, what maybe some of those habits were some habits he picked up from the, uh, yeah. so, from the yeah. older um, methodology there. Uh, so you worked in uh, quite an, a, an historic location, the Ed Sullivan theater 
Obviously, uh, yeah. in, in 1964, the Red Hot Chili Peppers really made a splash in America <laughs> and, uh, and heralded the uh, Californian invasion yeah. of the 60s. Of course. Flea was the, Flea was the cute one. Um, <laughs> I never get to see the, uh, the signatures. I didn't get to go, like, through the theater. You got to, like, go on stage sometimes, and, like, you got to go, like, around through the back sometimes, but usually not, especially if Dave was back there. Yeah. Um, you know, because it was one of those, like, don't get in the way, don't talk to Dave, don't, you know, all of that. So, like, the I, I think I only ran into him one time, and I was, like, pushed up back against the wall so I'd be out of his way because before the show, he'd be running around, like, the, the, the stage and, 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 yeah, so, like, I mean, you know, right. he would run out before he began every show. Well, he would run on the bottom of the uh, of the theater, huh. too. Like, um, yeah, kind of where, like, all the, the backstage stuff was. So there was one point where I was, I don't know why I was there. But, yeah, I, like, just kind of, like, hugged the wall. And, you know, he said hi to me. And I was like, oh, hi. But, huh. yeah, I was just like, yeah. get out of the way. I, <laughs> I don't want to lose yeah. my job. <laughs> Not ideal to, uh, to cause uh, an injury to the host of the show right beforehand. Um. Yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> So I never did a late night proper show except for Conan's program, and I remember there being a warm up comedian. Did Dave have a warm up act before to kind of get the audience going? Oh yeah, uh, he did. Oh god, but his name was like uh, um, Ed Sullivan. Sheeran. Oh, god. <laughs> oh. No, uh, uh, Eddie Eddie Brill. Eddie That's Brill. who it was. Huh. Eddie Brill. Yeah, this this kind of like big, kind of like sweaty guy, and he had the same <laughs> act, the same exact thing every time. And yeah, Eddie Eddie Brill would would warm up the the audience. But actually, uh, you know, you would ask me about how to get the audience excited. So um, every right before the show would start, uh, Eddie Eddie Brill would do his his act, and then um, they would play one song and as soon as the song comes on all the pages would run down the center aisles of the uh of the theater and go to the front and we would start clapping to get everybody wow. to clap with us like a, a birthday at the applebee's yes exactly uh and it was basket case by green wow. day what a specific <laughs> well that's not even a particularly high so, energy song i don't uh, think right that's the one where he's talking about whacking it like isn't that that one no, it's it's like, uh, do you have the time? That one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I was thinking of a different I know. I, I always screw it up, too. But, yeah, anytime I hear, like, the first few uh, notes of that song, I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> I run to the front of anyone I'm near and start clapping. Yes, I'm like, I'm a front. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, that, that was like us to start clapping. And then, uh, yeah, then we burned down and then Dave would come out and I think he would do some Q and a with the audience. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then they would, they would do the show. Yeah, I remember. Okay, so now that you're saying that I, Conan did something similar, he he would actually come out earlier and kind of because I I don't know if there was like a, maybe the thinking there is that because they are a famous person, you kind of need to get almost acclimated toward them being funny and not just sort of a wax statue or something to sort of ooh at. Maybe that's the thinking. I don't know. I think so. And actually, it's it's funny you also mentioned the ooing. So uh, before before we load the audience in, uh, we had to give a speech. And there were two areas. There was a general audience and there was VIPs. So the VIP mm-hmm. speech and the general audience speech were a little bit different. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember the speech because this was like 
14, 15 years ago. And I've, I've like looked around, I asked some of my old, old page friends, none of us can find it, but it was like, you know, please don't woo. Cause it, you know, spikes the mics, but it was filled with all these dumb jokes. Like, um, <laughs> uh, the only one that, that we could remember that my friend and I could remember was, uh, you know, Dave can't hear you smile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so uh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it was a lot of I really dumb jokes, but it, it you know a lot of the pages were stand-ups, so it was a chance for them to, uh, or they were, yeah. or they were, you know, imp- it was a lot of improv people too. So it was a, it was a chance for that everybody to like, you know, do a little crowd work and you yeah. know make some of their own jokes. And I loved speeching. It was like one of the best parts of the day for me, but I can't for the life of me remember this. Uh, a quick aside, Eddie Brill, I just wow. looked up his website. Um, his latest, uh, if you want to go see him live, uh, you can go see him at the Woodstock comedy festival in 2016. But, uh, <laughs> Paul, he was also the warm up comedian for early episodes of saved by the bell. Oh, <laughs> It's all coming for a full circle, Paul. God. Well, okay, well, now that we're on this, can I share another Saved by the Bell fact with you both? I don't think we can stop you if if you wanted to. I was watching the Colbert Rapport at Home show, whatever, late, the late show with, yeah, late show. And he is much more candid in these, like, quarantine shows he's doing. And so he got drunk with ryan reynolds and told him the story of one of his first i believe it was his first audition and do you know what it was for uh i'm hoping it was a a, a student at saved by the bell the role of screech powers <gasps> oh samuel screech powers and do you know what they told him and why he didn't get the job why not nerdy enough they said he was over the top <laughs> <laughs> i just love that they they're looking at the screech rolls, this nuanced thing, this <laughs> Shakespearean. Yeah, well, you know, he builds a robot, and that's pretty subtle. <laughs> anyway, um, that is amazing. I am also now looking at photos of Eddie Brill from 1986. I'm sure he's very funny. I just really appreciate that his website is um, hasn't been updated in f- four years. <laughs> Yeah, he did. I got yeah. like I. We all could do his his warm up by by memory, and like I cannot remember it. But I was just like, oh god. Um, and it's funny because Paul, you had you had asked me if I remembered any musical guests, and I remember like a couple specific ones. But yeah. there was a big part of that time period where all the days just start blending into each other <laughs> because yeah. everything was like on such a schedule. And I'm just like, I only remember bits and pieces of, of certain acts or things that I liked, but for a while I'm just like, Oh God, I'm so bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a, uh... This has been enlightening. Thank you uh, so much for for elaborating on this stuff. You know, we, it's it's stuff that you this behind the scenes stuff I love because there's that format this uh, that that late night format that's been around for so long and you just kind of take it for granted and don't realize all the different behind the scene behind the scenes stuff that tee up all of these things that sort of appear to be natural on camera mm-hmm. um and so uh so thank you for doing that that's very interesting and uh katie i'm to understand you have one more story you would like to share with us before you leave today i do i i forgot it was just about this one particular audience member that uh it was it was like my first week or my second week working there and so when people 
are lining up to get their tickets to, to come to the show. And part of uh, our job, especially one of the newer pages, is to just kind of like talk to the people in the line and, you know, see how they're doing and, you know, kind of keep people excited because everybody's bored waiting in line. So as I'm, as I'm talking to these people and just kind of getting the hang of, of how to page, this old woman comes up to me, like, on the street, and she's wheeling a suitcase and she is dressed as a French maid. Oh. And uh, she was asking me about how, tickets for the show. Now, uh, of course, I knew that there was no way in hell she was going to be granted <laughs> tickets. So in, in, in a very nice way, I told her, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, the show's full, but, you know, come back, blah, 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 blah. And she was nice about it, and she went away. So maybe, like, 15, 20 minutes later, still outside, still talking to people in line. I see the same woman wheeling up. She's got, she's got like one of those rolly suitcases. She's wheeling behind her this time dressed as Charlie Chaplin. Okay. And, um, also asking for tickets. I love the take two. I love that. I do as well. Um, so yeah, that was, that was like my, uh, my, my like first or second week. Um, did you ever find out what her story was? Was she just like rambling? Okay. Or? She was obviously trying to get tickets for a fourth show and was trying different disguises. And it wasn't obviously. <laughs> but um, oh, but that. yeah, that was that was one of the one of the craziest crazier things to happen in, in my early days. And you know, very nice. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, you know, all full um, blah, so, blah blah blah. So the we're talking feather duster the hat, the whole thing. The, yeah, the yeah, like yards? yeah, at the whole the whole shebang. Mustache, had you know the 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 suspend ever all of it. I'm a little disappointed wow. she didn't come back a third time at, dressed I know. as two two kids in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I can't remember her coming back a third time. I just remember the two. Um, well, that's why you can't remember because the yeah, third time she got was in. so convincing. Yeah, because the third time <laughs> I gave her tickets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was something I. I wanted to i had forgotten and wanted to tell and that and that old lady james corbin hey, <laughs> was it dana carvey you think was it the master of disguise himself <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah it was dana carvey excellent well i don't know katie but, but before we leave here is there anything is there anything you want to like plug like i don't is there any like is there any place people should go <laughs> <laughs> well it has the, i know what you're saying right now um but it has nothing to do with what we're talking about are you going to direct people to the museum? Because I, I would love yeah. for you to do that. Yes, please do that. <laughs> Katie, you are also, aside from being a, uh, a comic book professional, uh, an entertainment late show page, and uh, a, a, a slew of other professions, you are also a, uh, a, a paleontologist for all intents and purposes. Uh, at least that's how I'm going to. At least that's how I'm going to phrase it. <laughs> so, oh my god, I've had I've had several different job paths in my life, but the one that makes me so happy right now. I mean, you know, I love comics too, but uh, so I work in the fossil preparation lab at the natural museum or the uh, natural history museum in Los Angeles. Um, it's so cool. So it's so cool. Uh, that is awesome. Not only like, so I'm a volunteer, it's all volunteer. And uh, so um, what I do now is I work in the lab there. So if you've never been to the museum, please, please go. You can see us like doing actual fossil prep, like, you know, 
drilling bones out and working on the on the preparation for for bones that are going to be displayed or studied or whatever um so you can go and you can actually like look at us in the lab and see us working um so there's that and we also have like one of the most incredible uh dinosaur halls um it's it's second in my opinion in the u.s only to the one in new york which i also uh was a tour guide for (laughs) um Wow. Yeah, I was a I was a uh, tour guide and uh, a volunteer at the Museum of Natural History in New York for three years before moving to Los Angeles, and now I've been at the that museum for um, about two and a half. And uh, yeah, so if you whenever this this opens up, whenever we're allowed out, please go check out the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, they have one. If you go there, okay. If you go. There are two fossils that you will totally miss if you don't pay attention to them, but they have a pregnant plesiosaur, um, which is like kind of like the Loch Ness Monster, um, and they had one that died with its baby Amazing. in it, which is kind of crazy well. because uh, plesiosaurs are more closely related to reptiles, and reptiles lay eggs, but this one gave live birth, so... Huh. Wow. That's really neat. And wow. and then there's uh, right next to that fossil is uh, the most incredible fossil I've ever seen. Uh, it's a mosasaur, which it's got tablets. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if anyone's seen Jurassic World, it's the big one that comes out of the water at the end. Um, yeah. And you can see Spoilers. its last meal. You can see its windpipe. You can see its liver. You can see like its scales and its skin. And it's it's so cool. So. Amazing. Yes, I, I have been to this wow. exhibit. It is amazing. The, it, weirdly enough, they only let in a majority of men who laugh easily. So that's <laughs> that was strange. Um, you, and I had to answer trivia questions, yes. and they got harder. And it, it, they were hard to the point where I felt the person was trying to keep me out. Um, <laughs> never, never when it comes. But I was to allowed in the balcony, so that was good. Um, the, the, so yeah, wait, it's awesome. Do you guys look down on the La Brea? Museum. I just, I have to know. They're sister museums, so no. Like, a lot of people okay. that work okay. at La Brea also work at the Museum of Natural History and vice versa. So, I I know you wanted the hot goss, cool. but I don't well, have it. Th- thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Katie, so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. Of course, anytime. And, yeah, and now that so the much. show's not around anymore, I don't think I can get in trouble for saying all that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Take that, Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we uh, James. I guess we'll get back to the show here. All righty. All right. Well, thank you, James, for putting that together. That was awful fun. You know, it was awful comma fun <laughs> and so that that was a great new edition we'll look forward to more editions of the tv episodes and until then we would like to thank our patreon patrons we actually have a couple new ones this week derek ferguson so thank you very much derek now derek submitted for i guess not really it wasn't really a consideration more of a demand um he, uh, he, sent, he got a list of demands. <laughs> Derek sent over a nickname, Justin, and it is for Derek Forever for Her Ferguson. And, I, you know, I think that's that's great. That's way classier than what you and I would have come up with, certainly. Paul, we would have come up with something 
way worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it would have been terrible. So thank you, Derek. And Derek also uh, rated, reviewed, and subscribed uh, as well as uh, chip into our Patreon page. So that was really, really nice of Derek. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate that. When that come in, it was a little ray of sunshine, you know. It was the little plant growing in the trash boot that Wally finds on the trash planet after the world ends mm-hmm. in the in the film Wally, mm-hmm. you see. And so anyway, you found our our plant trash boot. So thank you, Derek. And we'd also like to thank uh, Michael Brookfield, uh, Bone Brookfield. The, you know, not our worst. It, you know, not our worst. Back on it. Yeah. Uh, Tam Davis, our third person in spirit every week. Luke Sinclair, look me over closely. Josh Aiken, or Joe Shaken all over. Melinda Tate, Lord send me an angel down. Julia Hickling, the $3 hat. Meg, we have Stu Driver, or Stu Cat. Stu Cat, Stu Driver. We have Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation. Brenda Englehart, we want to be the boys. Throw some plural on there to warm your ingle hard. We have Yvette Wilkins on Sunshine, the Brett Three Killed by Garski. Elizabeth Myers rolling in on a burning Myers is just, I think, still. I think that's I, it's good. It's I like both of them though. One eye, one blank stare looking up Myers there is also very good. I mean, if boy, sometimes do- I surprise you know, we surprise me. <laughs> I think so you came good. up with both of those, so no, uh, maybe I could, and- I don't remember. Uh, did we? Yeah, you look pretty in your fancy end dress, Melinda Endress. Or is it I detect Melinda Endress? I detect Melinda Endress. All right. Well, one of those. It's one. so. Thank you, <laughs> thank you to our Patreon patrons. We really appreciate it. And uh, as I say, you are all our, you are all our dirt flowers amongst the trash of this world. <laughs> If you would uh, like to contribute to uh, to our Patreon and help keep the lights on, we have an ad at the end of the show that will tell you how to do that. And again, thank you to, uh, to everybody who did that. And thank you to our third person this week, Katie Kubert. So thank you again. And James, if people want to interact with us, I think they can. Uh, yeah, they can do so by going to Facebook and talking with us there. You can interact with us at a whole bunch of places, but Facebook is one of them. Facebook.com slash Third Men. You can tweet at us at Third Men Cast. Tumble on down with us at third po- thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. Press our words, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. <laughs> now, is this is that Tim Gunn holding a snake? <laughs> holding a snake? No, that would be um, Wrong Snake. Oh, man. Thanks to everybody who sent in our yawn break. Uh, mostly yeah. Joe Shaken all over. Well, yeah, it was mainly just Joe Shaken. Yeah, so in other news, Pete, Joe Shaken found many rhymes with yawn break after our last episode and sent them in the form of gifts to us. We have here a lady dancing, and the thing is Swan Lake. We do have a lawn break here, or a lawn rake here. With which a, I with feel like fellow. we've done. Yeah, We have done that. We have someone winning at chess, which was a pawn take. <laughs> we have a, a, a photoshopped image of uh, Drake's head on a Todd McFarlane drawing, and that would be Spawn Drake. Very good. We have, and this is, I think this one's actually my favorite. There's a lot of that are good. This is a picture of, oh, what's his name? I only remember him as Nick Van Owen. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, Vaughn holding steak. a stake on his eye. And it's Vaughn steak, and that's very funny to me because it's a rhyme. 
We have the pawn stars here. He's he sent us an image of the pawn stars. <laughs> we're almost there. We're we're, we're hitting. Anyway, we have uh, an image of a flan in an oven that was a the flan bake. Flan bake. Yes, it's very good. We have an oh a, a Rick Offerman cake, a Ron cake. Yep, that also rhymes. Yeah, we have Sean Diddy Combs uh, is shaking, and it's a Sean shake. And I do think that is, in fact, Dave Chappelle playing. It is Dave Chappelle playing Sean Combs, yes. Right. We have Sean of the Dead, Sean with a rake. a rake. Yeah, so it's yeah. a Sean rake. We have... This one was uh, my contribution. We have... Which is beautiful. We have the Dawn Frakes. Dawn Frakes. It's, yeah, it's probably my favorite of all of them. This one was a little heady. It's an image of the cover of Twilight Saga. I like this Break, one. Breaking Dawn, but in verse, it's, so it's yeah, Dawn Break. Dawn Break. <laughs> Very and good, we, I, and James, you have a good pers- one here. Yeah, it's my personal contribution of a of a cheesesteak in the in, in place of Jaws, and it says John up top instead of Jaws, uh, which is Philly vernacular for everything. Yeah, it's uh, very funny. It's, James. That was a, a good one. It's a John steak. <laughs> there is a there's an image of one of the characters from District Nine lying here, and that is a, <laughs> a, a prawn flake. Or a, pl- a prawn fake. I, although I feel like prawn flakes are probably also applicable somehow. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like that's what you feed fish. Yeah, there's just a lot here, and they're all good. And so if you would like to gift bomb us with a rhyme for yawn break, please feel free to do that. That would be amazing. Yeah, you can uh, send us an email, thirdmanpodcast at gmail.com. You could uh, ACAST hosts our show. We're very grateful to ACAST. We're on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com slash C slash the third men. You can rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And we'd like to thank Sam Hubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Rountree for the lovely intros and outros of our program. And James, I think until next week, I will be in the same dystopian rut I've been in since this all started. Oh, fun. And I will be digging in the dirt looking for a home with a smarmy worm who hosts a late show. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. He wants to play with them headphones. Can you say dead? Say dead. Test testicles. Test testing. Testing for COVID nineteen. Okay. Well, Skype breaks down. We'll figure something out. It seems to be. I think so. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me? Oh boy, this seems to be lagging a lot more. You're not you're not lagging at all on my end. Well Am you I... were you're responding to me three seconds. Three seconds? It's like you're responding to me like three to four seconds later. <laughs> that may just be my the allergy medis- medication I took. Boy, this lag is awful. Do you want to try Skype we again? We can try Skype again. It's reconnecting. 
Paul, are you there? Our man down on the field, Paul Kaminsky. Paul, are you there? Paul, do you want to try FaceTime? Do you want to try FaceTime, Paul? FaceTime? Perhaps. FaceTime? Maybe? You want to try that? Maybe. Why not? Try anything. You know who wouldn't FaceTime? You know who wouldn't FaceTime, James? Carol Baskin. (laughs) That bitch, Carol Baskin. (laughs) Hey, one second. I'm trying to hook up the, um... I'm trying to hook it up from my computer, and I think I have to call you to do it. Okay, uh, we're gonna connect over FaceTime. Well, try try now because now we're just we're communicating over FaceTime. Okay, I'm not ringing anymore. You know who is ringing, James? <laughs> no, you know who is ringing. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're crystal clear now. Oh, okay, but it's not. We got all of the great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's count in again. It'll probably be a better count in. Anyway. <laughs> Ricardo Montalban Musgrave Musgraves, <laughs> something like that. Uh, anyway, it's been a yeah. while. <sighs> I didn't real. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't realize radio would make us such a comeback. Anyway, yeah, maybe like ham radio or like the emergency radio that um, John Connor answers with Catherine Brewster at the end of the classic Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. Maybe that kind of radio. Uh, you know what I mean? Perhaps it's more like the iPad from Terminator Genesis. <laughs> James, say it correctly. Genesis spelled wrong. Genesis. 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 <laughs> Genesee what? Oh man <sighs> Man Terminator Bad titles Let's yeah, wouldn't that be- It is I uh, I often see her parking space And go oh <laughs> I should park there <laughs> <laughs> Well you, you would expect Judgment Day To have judgmental people in it though. <laughs> like that's That's consistent Yeah It's uh, There's the man who I think shot Hitler in Hateful Eight? No, in um, Inglorious Bastards? Whatever. Later, and it sounds really silly and uh, makes us seem a little like the fish Dory in the hit film Finding Dory <laughs> talking to the whale. Yeah, it's real dumb. I only acknowledge Finding Dory. <laughs> yeah, the first one does do That it. is my head cannon. Okay. That is my fish cannon. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> okay. incidentally, and none, like, has nothing to do with this, also as a fish cannon. Where he launches fish, <laughs> but it's been a real source of whimsy for my neighborhood throughout this plague. He here. thought he thought he would be the fish thrower from the Muppets, and it just it turned into a vastly different experience. And uh, I don't know, James. He's, he's, James, this is all gold. We need to count this he's in. Deriving some sort of sick pleasure from these fish, but anyway, okay. now I can see you didn't want you to demean like... yourself by saying it uh, as slow as we did, and uh, I both commend you for it and. Uh, and a little spiteful. Oh, I wasn't prepped that it was going to be as slow as that, so now I'm ready. I told you. So ready. Katie, how clear did I have to be that it's like Dory talking to the whale in the hit film Finding Dory? I never saw that movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> how clear could I be with a reference that you've never seen? It's true. Worker yeah. of the late night. Well, no. Uh... 
late night work nope worker <laughs> on a late night show which one of those can i keep i see chum and so, lee and i see no oh, that doesn't seem right oh there's my child we're not done recording yet but okay <laughs> wow that's a that's a sizable potty whoa <laughs> Very good. Oh, man. Okay, I'm hitting stop. Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on it can be as much or as little as you can swing and all donations are greatly appreciated the last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough but if you would like to help us out that would be amazing all right it's all from me remember you can head to patreon.com slash third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already all right everybody i'll see you on the show and i'm wayne kaminsky You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.